0: In addition to being a great X's and O's coach, he's also a leader of men. I think people follow him. He's got a sort of seriousness of purpose.
1: Welcome to the Outlet Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Smith, and this week we'll revisit an interview that Suns radio personality John Bloom and I had with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver during the Suns 8-0 run in the bubble. Without further ado, let's bring in our first guest, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner.
0: Hey there, you guys see me?
1: Yep, we can see you. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, how are you?
1: Good, thank you so much for joining us here today. So listen, I'm sure it's been a chaotic, stressful and exhausting few months for you, but here we are. Basketball is back and things have gone swimmingly. How much is it a sigh of relief to have things moving the way that they are right now?
0: It, it's definitely been a sigh of relief, but on the other hand, every day is a new day in the bubble, as you said. And again, you know, I, I, I said to somebody the other day, I've learned the fingers crossed emoji. This is how I respond to most emails. And there's so much... It's going right, but there's so much, frankly, that can go wrong. And no different than all of our lives in this pandemic. And just like in Arizona, in Florida, how we used to have it in New York, there's a high case rate in the community. The bubble's not exactly sealed. People go in and out. So I'm I'm thrilled, but you can sense with me that there's a hesitation to sort of declare success here. Because it's just the nature of this virus and what we're dealing with. but um, I, I am happy. and by the way, and to see your sons playing the way they are is fantastic. I mean, I'm a huge fan you know of your organization, of Monty's, of Jamess, of Devons, you know, and, and we've been working a lot with Robert over the last several months. So it's, it's just great to see it all come to fruition on the floor. Well, it's, it's great to hear
2: that from you, uh, Adam, and uh, it, it's interesting hearing you describe that because it's a lot about the way we feel here in the Valley watching this team play. We feel great about seeing this start. 6-0 has been so exciting, and yet it's hard to declare success yet because there's still a lot that lies in the balance over the next couple of days, but that's what makes it so exciting. And I know there had to be just so much that went in to just making this happen, right, to, to allowing all of us basketball fans to see basketball again. But we wanted to give you an opportunity to, to give credit to some of your colleagues and some of the people and some of the things that really allowed this all to, to be possible. And, and what stands out in your mind uh, that made this happen?
0: Well, John, I'll begin with the cooperation we got from the 450 players Not just the roughly 360 or so players that are in Orlando and the 30 teams, not just the 22 teams that are down there. Because, in fairness, of course, there's a certain arbitrariness to the fact that you have 22 teams down there and not 30. And it could have been the 16 teams that would have been in the playoffs as of March 11th. And, you know, again, you know, Robert Sarver was very involved in these discussions and obviously advocated hard for his team. And I feel in some ways we've been validated by having, especially in the West, by having those additional five teams that to see the, the real competition we're seeing on the floor. We're almost a playoff-like atmosphere so far and, and great competition. And so the success is truly shared by everyone. I mean, I, you know, Michelle Roberts, the executive director of the Players Association and their president, Chris Paul, really they, it's as difficult as it is to corral 30 teams together and get them all to agree that we're gonna have 22 down there. I can only imagine with 450 players and all the issues they were dealing with. And then I'd say for our teams, for the various governors from the teams, for for them to come together, I mean, as you might imagine, it's enormously expensive to undertake what we are down there. There's incredible sacrifices on behalf of the players that in essence live in this campus environment for the most part away from their families. There are gonna be some families that can come in after the first, round and and as much fun as it can be i mean there's there's opportunities i think for people to be together bonding among teammates and among fellow nba players there is some golf and other activities down there but at the end of the day they're restricted in terms of where they can go and but and so you know so much credit goes to you know as we it's become a little bit of a cliche but this entire nba family they really did come together and we had to work through all these protocols together with the Players Association, um, with with the 22 teams are down there. And also we continue to look for opportunities for the other eight teams to get some basketball in as well before next season starts.
1: Yeah, a huge sacrifice for everybody who is working out in Orlando, from players to staff to media and the like. Um, Adam, I'm curious, what have you guys learned so far that you like about the way that you have kind of created this singular campus experience? and and maybe how can you implement that moving forward, or what can other leagues maybe take from this experience with the NBA?
0: We, we've learned, I think, especially in this pandemic, how much people crave togetherness. I think that that shouldn't be lost on anyone, and I think um, your you guys and your viewers can relate to that. When many of us went through, you know, multiple weeks in some cases months without much other contact than our families. And then even now, as we're able to get out, I, I I'd say I've been I've been back and forth from Orlando. I'm back up in New York right now. I'm going back next week. But when you are down in the arenas, there's there's a separate area where you can go in, in essence as a guest. You're you know you're behind plexiglass. You're very far you know from be, interacting directly with players. But when you see people who are living the lives we used to have. You know, where you can hug people and there's no mass on and you can, you know, you have that direct contact. You can see how much as human beings we all crave that. And I think what maybe even some of the players who are concerned about going down have realized how much they missed that camaraderie. Just the, the, the ability to be together with other players, not just their own teammates, but players on other teams as well. I mean, we may that environment may change a little bit when you get into the playoffs when there's a lot more at stake. I'm not sure how much that same, you know, interteam camaraderie will exist, but at least among teammates, it's it's been a true bonding experience for everyone. So and then I think in terms of the other activities we put together, again, it's been nice that people, you know, have been able to go fishing. There's a funny article in today's Wall Street Journal about guys fishing down there. There's been some golf, there's been some other activities. But at the end of the day, I think for you know, basketball you know junkies which is what we all are this is what we do that i think to play hoops you know to get in you know practice rehab eat well sleep that's what their lives are about right now and if you look at you know just what your sons are doing you know they're clearly all in on basketball and that's what's enabling them to be so successful
1: if you've ever asked yourself what exactly is bullying Well, bullying is repeated, unwanted, hurtful behavior where a person or group is stronger or holds some sort of power over the person being bullied. This behavior is physical, psychological, social, or educational and inflicts harm or distress on the target. If you'd like to get information on how you can recognize bullying and how you can help prevent bullying, head to muststopbullying.org.
2: Oh, and it's been so much fun for us to watch, Adam. As you know, it's been uh, lean years from a, a wind standpoint here for a while. So uh, this has been a very welcome change of pace here on Planet Orange, as we like to call it. Uh, And in addition to having fun watching these games because the team's playing so well, it's been a lot of fun watching all these new innovations that the NBA has added. And and I want to ask you what your favorite one has been so far. I mean, there's so many different things when it comes to not just the telecast, but also allowing the players to use you know, their jerseys uh, with social justice messages on them. And uh, we we love the virtual fans. My colleagues are going to be on there today uh, supporting the Suns while they're hosting an afternoon sports talk radio show here in Phoenix. Burns and Gamble will be two of our virtual fans. So there's just a lot of cool factors. Do you have a favorite?
0: Yeah, I have different favorites for different reasons. I I love the rail cam and the angle that provides. I mean, that's something almost by definition we can't do once fans come back. Or I shouldn't say that so quickly. I'm sure technology change over the years and a few years from now, it'll be like this big. (laughs) You won't even see it go by or whatever else. But right now it's literally a camera, you know, on a track that goes right where those courtside seats would be, and I think following the action that way is a really unique angle that most of us who 've you know followed the game for a long time have never seen by the way, like when you when you go into these arenas down in Florida, it looks a little bit like going into a high school gym where there 's a movie shoot like here it's it 's a, it's a relatively small gyms an enormous amount of equipment around the floor so that that, that rail cam has been a really interesting angle. I think in terms of the virtual fans that you 're talking about we had coincidentally just entered into a new relationship with microsoft right before um the pandemic began and they have this product called microsoft teams and so this is a way they with this new they call it the together mode interestingly enough you know i was talking about togetherness and like it enables you us to put those fans together i mean it's it's glitchy in some ways early on. I think we're early adopters to it. But I think it's kind of fun in a goofy way in certain ways. You see sort of babies and people doing, you know, they're like different size images up on the side of the court. I think that's in many ways worked even better than we thought it would. And so that's been really exciting. And on a more serious note, in terms of um, the, the social justice messages, that was something extraordinarily important to the players. You know, again, you know, we recognize working within certain parameters that the players came up with a selection of words of messages that they could choose from, and I think, especially knowing we were coming back, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, the you know the social you know uh, unrest in the country you know, George Floyd's death, which was happening right as we were negotiating the protocols to come back. I certainly understood the passion around it. It's been incredibly meaningful for our players. And and incidentally, it's, it's not lost on me and maybe for some fans that are watching this, there are people out there who sort of are bombarded with messages all day long and say, I just want to watch a game and you know so and i understand that point of view too but again i think these are highly unusual times and and you know again when you think about who our players are i mean no secret 80 percent of our players are black you know that they're they understandably are very focused on issues around racial justice in in this country so is the league you probably heard we recently put together um a foundation you know really led by the 30 teams dealing with economic empowerment in the country. So, you know, I, I know there are some out there who long for the day, you know, when everything was somehow different and separate and sports didn't intersect with, with politics. I think it always did to a certain extent. But I, I'd say unbalanced when I when I see players out there, you know, you know, wearing those messages. And then even beyond that. You know, in in, in speaking to those points, talking about what it means to them individually, I find it personally very moving.
1: Agreed. I'm right there with you. As a fan of this game, I think it's so important to uplift the voices of those who are playing this game. I know you mentioned a few fans kind of maybe wanting things to be a little bit different, but overall, do you feel like the messages for social justice that the players are sharing are being well-received?
0: I do. I think... Overall, again, I I don't want to be Pollyannish. I recognize not by everyone, but I'll just say even for those people who would maybe prefer they not be there, I think, look, with any sort of protest activity, it makes people uncomfortable. And maybe that's from a player standpoint, from a league standpoint. We all have to acknowledge that and hope that people are willing to engage with us as you know, you you hear so much about so-called cancel culture, you know, it's my hope that people don't choose to cancel us as a result of these messages, that people choose to engage and maybe say, okay, I have a different point of view. Why is that your point of view? What has your life experience been? I will say even at our offices in in New York, I mean, most of it's been through video conferencing, but we've had a lot of serious conversations uh, uh, among, you know, fellow, you know, colleagues at the league office, people I've worked with, I've been at the league office for almost 30 years. Some people I worked for, with for almost that length, length of time who have opened up through some forums we've had and talked about um, things that have happened in their lives that, you know, as a black American, as as a black woman in America, you know, incidents that, that, that have for, caused me to see things in a different way and made me really uncomfortable. And things that have been suggested me that we do by colleagues around the league not everything that i've agreed with or necessarily done but so i i think hopefully here this can lead to real dialogue among people it doesn't necessarily mean we all have to agree on everything but causing us to have some conversations around sports and incidentally you know you think back about the history of this league and the dna and i've talked to you know the the privilege of talking to bill russell about this when bill russell in the 1960s chose to go down to Washington DC to participate in a rally with Martin Luther King when he delivered his I Have a Dream speech, now iconic at the Lincoln Memorial, that was not without controversy down there. And he got a lot of hate mail back then. There, you know, his house was vandalized, other things, but like ultimately we'd like to believe he was on, on the right side of history. So it by no means does it mean that there's only one point of view here, and that there aren't people who may have legitimate grievances with some of the things that we we seemingly are representing here. But we have to have that dialogue in this country. I think it's part of what makes our country great. It's it's the sort of the first amendment we all love so much. And and again, I recognize that there has to be a balance. And we sort of came up with this way to represent it on the jerseys, and there were there were some other things that ultimately as a league we decided not to do that some individual players wanted, and we said just like the 30 teams have to come together and agree that this is going to be our protocol, all the players down there had to come together and say we're part of a union, the union has to agree on things with the league. But, you know, as I said, I, 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 I recognize that it, nothing we do will be uniformly popular, but you hope people at least be willing to engage and feel comfortable if they disagree talking about it.
2: I think that's a great model to set that you're open to that conversation. I think you've made it pretty clear. The league has made it clear that the conversation is the most important thing to continue. Uh, and I know that that's probably part of your vision for the future of this league. But uh, what else is uh, in that vision? Uh, what do you think uh, this league is going to look like moving forward? I know it's hard to, to you know imagine exactly how next season's going to look and whatnot, but uh You've always had that kind of visionary label. The the League has always had that innovation label to it, or at least for for decades now. How is that going to continue?
0: My view is there, there, there are two forces that I think are highly unlikely to change. And one is we're increasingly becoming more global society. And it doesn't mean that there aren't disputes at any given time. Now there's a lot of focus on China, understandably you know, and, you know, there used to be on the Soviet Union and then Russia, there's plenty of conflict in the world, but I continue to see sports and arts and culture as a way to help work through those conflicts. And in a way, if you think of as the NBA as a piece of Americana, it's being exported to the world really through the NBA. And I think that's a positive thing and will continue to happen. Um, I think next, and, and if you look at the players in this league were at 25% right now of players that were born outside of the united states as this sport continues to be played massively you know around the world i think just based on the numbers you're only going to see those percentages grow with you know more great international players coming into this league there still will be majority american players still obviously an enormous amount of great basketball being played in this country but i think that trend's only going to continue and i think the popularity of the nba therefore will only continue to grow around the world the other issue john that you mentioned is technology and i think from that standpoint some of the things that we're talking about around the restart of the league are, are examples changed in the camera positions, you know, virtual scoreboards, I think even platforms like this, I think that increasingly they will be integrated into the game. You know, we're seeing now where, you know, I, I think where technology is changing, that there'll always be those people who want the traditional play-by-play feed from the game or, you know, the more traditional color commentary. But then there'll be people who say like, all right, you know, I'm watching the game. I don't really need more of a traditional, you know, in Devin Booker, te- Pat, you know, it's, it's, it, more like they're they're watching a game as if they were in the arena and having a conversation with friends on both sides, as you would if you were, or if you were in a tweet at the arena and you were talking to 15 different people. And I think technology is going to increasingly like that. The issue right now, it's very hard to sync all those different feeds. So there's delays and it doesn't really work. But you can imagine you'll go to a game, you'll have a different options in terms of video. It may be standard play-by-play. You may be focused on one player. It may be a low angle like we see now with the rail camera. So that'll be from a video standpoint. And from an audio standpoint, you know, think about it. If it can all sync, people can essentially be anywhere in the world watching the game and then providing audio and talking to the game in the same way I'm talking to you. So it may be somebody is wants a more deeper analysis into the analytics of what's happening on the floor. And they're, they're fascinated with Data, and that's what they want to hear about. Or it's an ex-coach explaining the plays that are happening on the floor. So it's, it's sort of a deeper level of the t- traditional X's and O's. Or it might be something lighter. You know, it might be a professional comedian, you know, is watching the game and is sort of telling jokes as the game's going, you know, or, you know, it, it, it just may be a group of your friends. And you're like, just as you would go, let's like all go to the suite together and watch the game. We'll talk about whatever we want to talk about and the game will sort of be a backdrop those will all be options open to people. And I think, again, sort of that same sense I had down in Orlando of the players craving community, I think we all do. And there's limitations physically on where any of us can be at any given time. But I think what this technology, just as we're using right now, is allowing people to come together in more meaningful ways than we would have predicted. And I'd say that's one thing about operations in our office, in the countless hours of meetings I've had since we shut our physical office down in mid-March. It, it's, when I was down in Orlando, I saw a bunch of colleagues that I hadn't seen for several months, but yet it felt like, because I've been on you know, Zoom or other technology calls with them on a daily basis, it didn't seem like I hadn't been with them for months. And I think that these kind of technologies are more effective than any of us would have predicted.
1: Fans, did you know only 20 to 30% of students who are bullied tell adults or authorities? That leaves the vast majority of children to believe that they have no one to turn to and are left to suffer alone. We don't want our children to feel this way. If you want more information on how to talk to kids about bullying, how to help them through bullying, and how to stop bullying, visit muststopbullying.org. Yeah, so I just am curious, Adam, overall, like, I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but what are your impressions of what Monty Williams, his staff, and this young group of Phoenix Suns have been able to accomplish in Orlando?
0: I've known Monty and James forever, and I think what they bring to the table is one, you know, incredible sense of leadership, and I think, you know, James, as a player, I got to know him really well because he was very active in the Players Association and was an officer, you know, at the union and he was a leader behind, you know, in the conference rooms, you know, you know, behind closed doors on um, when it came to some very difficult um, collective bargaining discussions. And one of the reasons he was able to lead because he had the ability to bring players together. Then you know, fellow players in the league. And I think as a general manager in this league, I mean, look, that's what's part of it. I mean, you know, even look at the 76ers team tonight, you know, with a lot of their starters injured or not playing, you know, you st- the, the 450 players in the NBA are the 450 essentially best players in the world. And these, they're deep benches. The competition is everywhere. So it's not just talent in this league. It's the ability to get that talent to come together and to gel. And I think that's also what Monty brings. I think also in addition to being a great x's and o's coach he's also a leader of men i think people follow him he's got a sort of seriousness of purpose i think that this was a real challenge for a lot of teams down in orlando that especially a team that was sort of outside you know trying to sneak in the playoffs for a team like phoenix to come down to have a seriousness of purpose say all right we're we're here for a reason there's a lot going on around us in society right now in in your families in our communities nationally but so and we can have one idea one one eye on those things that we want to get done through social justice but we also have a job to do and that is to win basketball games so I think they're a great tandem coming together. Obviously, you know, I, I, I think the world of Devin and the team they've put together, and now you're seeing it on the floor. And it's, again, you know, I said earlier, I feel like it does validate the notion of 22 teams down there because there nothing has been without controversy as we've moved forward. And, and, and you can imagine as commissioner of the league, that's a hard line to draw because there's well, you're, you, we found a way to get these other six teams in the playoffs. There's eight teams that are out that, are, that would have liked to be down there competing, even if they weren't going to be ultimately make the playoffs to get some more basketball in this season. I think it's clear that, uh, you know, it-
2: When you give a team an opportunity, uh, then you want to see them take advantage of it. And uh, it seems to us that uh, this team has absolutely done that and run with it. And you talked about both Monty and James from a a player standpoint, knowing them uh, back then. I guess a a quick little follow-up on that is, did you visualize them in the roles that they're in now as a coach and a GM? Did you see that happening before it
0: did? Yeah, actually, yes, I mean, because those players seem seem to stand out often in the league because they generally are, are the kinds of players who are talking to you at the league office. I mean, in terms of my career, you know, I, I was deputy commissioner before I was commissioner, but before that I was president of NBA Entertainment. So I was very involved in marketing of players and, you know, our, our television production and, and Internet activities and other things. So you get to know those players that really, you know, wanted to expand off the floor. And I'd say, James, as I said, you know, during bargaining, he was someone who really stood out. My recollection is he has an accounting degree. I mean, he was always very numbers focused. You know, he was the kind of guy who came into the meetings super prepared, had read everything, had done his own analysis of where the deal should be. And I think Mani, you know, for a long time, again, he was just always a particularly, I think, thoughtful, Introspective player, someone who was always sort of looking beyond what was right in front of him, sort of looking tactically, like, how are we going to put this team together strategically? You know, you know, how do I find a way to meld these teammates? You know, what's the commonality we all have? And I, and I think he's always had a sort of spirit to him. You know, I, I, I think it's, you know, there, you can feel something about him that I think it makes him such a good leader of players, because he he's just, he's the opposite of frivolous. You know, it's just, you, you you feel it around him. There's just, there's there's a seriousness of purpose. It doesn't mean there isn't a light side of him. It doesn't mean that, you know, he doesn't want to have fun, but you feel like this team right now, that this is someone on a mission, and that is ultimately to win basketball games.
1: Yeah, we're loving what we're seeing on the court from this team. but. Away from the court, we also have a lot of fun stuff going on. Robert Sarver and the organization are bringing the Valley the latest in sports and entertainment with the transformation of Talking Stick Resort Arena that's happening as we speak. How do you think this arena renovation will enhance the fan experience in Phoenix moving
0: forward? It's going to be fantastic. I would just say it was necessary. There's no question about that. and. You know, I was there in the early days with Jerry and, you know, when the arena was first opened and then multiple renovations. And this is just, it, it's the next step in ensuring that you have a modern state-of-the-art arena in the league. A lot of it begins with technology. You know, certainly every, everything there is being updated to, you know, complete state-of-the-art and it makes a huge difference these days. And high definition and 5G in terms of what you experience in the arena. And then beyond that, there's been changes just in terms of how people want to appreciate games and arenas, we've moved towards more clubs. I mean, it's interesting, not surprising, it goes to the point I was talking about earlier, that often, and I'm, a, I'm one of those fans that while well, you want to watch the game, you don't always want to just be locked into your seat where you're just talking to the person on your right, your person on your left, that if you build these other clubs, suites, smaller suites, more flexible options, often it's the case you want to go to a game with a group of people and you don't want to just be locked in. just just talking to the people on each side of you that you want to be able to have conversations or have conversations with a group of people, you know, while the game is going on. And I think so all those sort of modern accoutrements are now, you know, coming to Talking Stick Arena. And, and again, it's, you know, Robert, he was on a mission as well to get this done, you know, these, these required in this day and age, partnerships with the community. That's what you have, you know, in Phoenix. And it seems to have worked out really well. And I think the good news is that, at least the latest report I, I got from Robert, is that despite all that's happening in the country with COVID-19, that the construction is proceeding. And that, you know, and, and I've seen some pictures recently, and it's, it's, it's a really exciting project. Yeah, in some cases,
2: uh, maybe the silver lining behind this whole pause that that we had was that uh, construction was able to continue and in some cases they might even be ahead of schedule, which is. Uh, exciting for the organization. There's another construction project that I believe is pretty close to being done, too, and that's the Performance Center that's going to be both for the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. I've driven by a bunch. It looks spectacular, and and I just want to get your thought about what that adds uh, for a franchise when you do make it a point to have a separate facility that you can do your training in, as well as uh, house some of your staff and,
0: and whatnot. I know you guys know that always around the league, there was always this sort of the Phoenix Suns magic when it came to performance. That's where players went. You know, I don't know if it's the water, you know, the air, the team, that when guys that had big injuries in their careers, seemingly when they went to Phoenix, they somehow recovered. And always an organization known for fantastic trainers for really just putting player health first and foremost. And as we've seen this trend around the league, um, these new performance centers, training centers have become a necessary component. Um, just when you think about the value of these players, keeping them healthy, keeping them on the floor, um, there's just n- enormous science around now the health of these players. And it's everything from nutrition and sleep to how they rehab, you know, how they condition themselves, um, you know, how they prepare for games, how they recuperate afterwards and these as just say these performance centers are part and parcel i just add also that it's become part of team building as well that i've been to most of the training facilities around the leagues and it's it seems like a kind of a silly analogy but they've also a little bit like old school clubhouses in many ways that i mean for players you know, increasingly, where that the bonding among teammates is so important, especially when guys have shorter contracts than maybe they used to in the old days, and you got to build relationships quickly. It's places they can come and sort of in a kind of protected, safe environment you know, that they can hang out and get to know each other. And in some cases, it's you know around basketball, but in other cases, generally there's barber shops, you know, in these pre- performance centers. There's game rooms. There's um, chefs that, you know, often are there almost virtually 24-7. So they can come, they can get a great meal. It's maybe a bunch of big screen TVs or they're playing video games. But, but look, we all know. I mean, I, you know, one, one all-star championship player once told me, um, championships are one on the bus, you know, and, and I think that, you know, you, you, you have to create that environment. And often it's, it's about a physical facility as well for players to come together.
1: Adam, thank you so much for your time and for joining us here on the Second Screen Fan Experience. We appreciate you and uh, best of luck when it, uh, as you're navigating the bubble and beyond. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, Lindsay and John, thank you so much for having me.